0: Welcome to Real Life Podcast Conversations from Life Foursquare Church. We invite you to dive deeper into the more difficult topics of faith. Have you struggled to find understanding in biblical topics not often taught from the pulpit?
1: We may not have all the answers, but we are committed to the ongoing conversations as we search God's Word together. Mark and Lynn Cooper, we are local pastors and we are your hosts. This show is our attempt to answer questions in a greater depth uh, than a sermon would typically allow.
0: We look forward to the dialogue and conversations your questions will bring. You can email us at, reallife at visitlife.org. This podcast will cover many biblical topics, some fun, some serious, and some will simply pique your interest.
1: This podcast is sponsored by Life Foursquare Church. It's pushed by Austin Hemmen and Lauren Johnston.
0: Today, we are going to continue. This is our third week of politics, and it has been an interesting time in our nation as this is November 2020, and uh, we started this conversation around the, the time that we voted, and here we are now on the outside of that in politics, is still quite the conversation taking place.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, we wanted to, and and rightfully so engage just some dialogue or conversation about American politics, uh, the role of faith and religion within that and how we as Christians operate uh, in both of those realms. Right. right?
0: And so often we hear lots of ideas or even, um, concepts that believers have developed from politics or even how to navigate in the season. And one of the questions we've been asked over and over in this time is how do you vote? How do you decide who you will vote for? You know, I, I often think in the idea of asking the Lord, which is what we've, we've participated in asking the Lord, how should I vote? Not necessarily who should I vote for, but how should I vote? And in this season, particularly, we have heard many believers talk about voting upon their values and their morals, okay, which, which leads to quite a few conversations. And honestly, depending on your experiences, your, uh, life, and, in what life has brought you, you you'll see things very differently. And so the question is, can you mandate morality? So if I vote for someone, depending on how I feel people should behave, my morals, my values, which happen to be biblical, can that then be mandated? And what happens then when we mandate morality, what is the fruit of that?
1: So this, uh, you know, a, a good way of describing this primary topic for today, or just fleshing it out, adding some meat to it. We often hear um, statements, and I'll tell you, it's, it's regretful that we hear this a lot, but we do. And I'm sure a lot of other people are hearing the same thing. And that is, I, I don't see how you could be a Christian and vote this way, or I don't see how you could be a Christian and vote that way. And so that really introduces the... The uh, the struggle between one's faith and one's political alliance or one's vote, right? And so, can we mandate morality? What a great question! Can we? Can we? First off, can we recognize that morality might be? Now, this has potential to stretch you a little bit, but morality can be a little fluid. As in, there are certain things obviously declared through the word of God as right and wrong. However, there's a whole lot of other things that throughout history and throughout culture have shifted in different ways uh, through that spectrum of morality. And so how are we going to mandate uh, morality? How are we going to say this is exactly how... We ought to look at these kind of topics and how we ought to think about those who support this or support that. And and uh, and then what kind of conversations are we willing to have? Are we dogmatic in our approach to that where we are on wavering uh, and unwilling to, to hear an argument or a conversation that might seek to give us a different perspective, right? And mm-hmm. so – what do you think, Lynn? Um, where should we start as we start to unpack well, this? Where should we start with I, I think idea? that
0: when we have to look at mandating morality or asking people to use rules as their way to be moral, then we're just going to find ourselves in a very uh, difficult place. In fact, a lot like the Old Testament was, right, that everything was law-based. Everything was in the outward. I think today that type of of um, living or execution of that is going to be known as as um, behavior filters, which we know only last under certain really great circumstances, non-stress, non-stressful right? circumstances that there will always be a storm that will break down that that behavior filter. And so that's why what Jesus did when he came and he fulfilled the law he he then paid our cost of, of sin and death so that we could be in a relationship with the Father. Now it's an internal work. It is a work that is far deeper than just behavior. It is a work of the heart. And so I, I think you have to, to also recognize that voting for morality or, or voting in a certain way, I, I wonder if it could also have its... It's issue of making or, or people thinking that they are good and maybe they don't need a savior. And so there's, there's always these underlying things. Now, the other end of voting for your morals and your values is understanding that when our nation does make decisions and laws that honor the Lord, the Lord blesses that there's great blessing and obedience. And so there is, there's kind of two ways to look at this when we're talking about voting for your morals or your values.
1: So when we look back at some of the primary thoughts of our founding fathers, as far as morality goes, what we can see is that in a majority of founding fathers, especially those who were most vocal or most instrumental in the in the drafting of the documents, um, what we find without fail, honestly, is is that there is a, an absolute recognition that the foundation by which justice, liberty, um, the the core of the American culture rests, that foundation is. Found within the the morals of of the teachings of Christ. You, to understand what a moral is, maybe you remember as a kid um, hearing your teacher tell you a fable, or having a teacher you know tell you a story and then say, "Hey, guess what? The moral of the story is we don't steal. Because if you steal, like this little fox stole a chicken or this or that, then you end up suffering the consequences." Of that action. Mm -hmm. And so the moral, it almost tells you what is to come when you do these things or act this way. It's like Jesus saying, a good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. And so the moral is the product a lot of times. And so when we look back at what the founding fathers have said and how they have Um, really structured the establishment of the American culture. Uh, Like, like for example, John Adams, he says it is religion and morality alone, which can establish the principles upon which freedom can securely stand. The only foundation of a free constitution is pure virtue. And so what he's referring to is the, the, the code or the parameter of morality as flexible as it may be, it, finds its boundaries and its restraints within the teachings of Christ. And, and if you were to, you know, just when you get home tonight or, or when you have a free moment, Google search some of those founding fathers quotes uh, about specifics like uh, Christian ethics, morality, faith, and what you'll see. Is you'll see that we are meant to operate with some, some flexibility, right? Mm -hmm. We, we ought to be a political system that affords people the right to be different, to think different, to worship God differently than we do. But at the same time prescribe to the clear boundaries that the word of God declares. And so. Is that the Ten Commandments? Is that is that all that the Pharisees and the Sadducees would have had us live by? Is it is it something else? What do we see in the life of Christ that would show us uh, what morality ought to look like? You know, I mean, how, how do we... I'll tell you, as I as I view the landscape of our political scene today, I don't see a lot of forgiveness. I don't see a lot of grace. I don't see a lot of humility. I don't see these things, which if you ask me... Those are clear indicators of morality. How we look like Jesus is going to speak the most about our morality. Not the things I do wrong. Not the sins I have. Not the bad words or the, the temptation. Not those things. The, the faults don't necessarily speak the depth that the virtues do. And virtues are things that are virtuous. They're things that are right and good and and moral. right? And so... Um, I think that that's part of the conversation. It, it, it's easy for us to want to break it down into certain topics that mm-hmm. everybody who goes to church should be against and right. everybody who goes to church should and be it's, for.
0: it's clear that scripture tells us that we are unable to look at the heart, right? And so often we get hung up on this. We see a behavior. In fact, if you, if you remember in some of your basic psychology classes, right, that There's something called projection that takes place. And I think that we are seeing so much projection taking place in, in not just believers, but in our world where we are, we are seeing things in others. And, and oftentimes that is an accusation and yet it is the very thing that lies within our own heart and we're unable to see it. For example, think years ago of Ted Haggard. The, the last year before Ted Haggard, who, who was a, a prominent minister, Huge failed um, with some moral indiscretion. He preached on immoral living and behavior the whole last year of his ministry. That's what projection is. And an unwillingness to see it in your own life. Therefore, I see it in everyone else. So we have a lot of, of that projection taking place. That projection is an accusation of fear. That projection is an accusation of lack of faith that, you know, or that your rights are being, there's a lot of projection taking place. And so we have to come back into a place of alignment and say, okay, Lord, what are you saying to me? And I'm not willing to, to make judgments according to what I see. Because you see the heart. And I think the best place to always come into alignment with the Lord is to say, Lord, search my heart. Let's start there. Would you search my heart, the deep places that I don't even realize I've hidden? Would you search my motives? And allow the Lord to do the work in us. And it's amazing how. It does prescribe this amount of grace that we're able to extend. And as we pray and as we've prayed and said, Lord, how do you want us to vote? There is the question of. Then who should I vote for? Right. Which we've heard so much about in this time. And so my question is this. And it, it it's a question that is difficult to answer. But if every person in America prayed and asked the Lord, who should I vote for? Would every American or every Christian, however you want to phrase this, because I think the answer is the same. Would they hear the same answer? Would they hear to vote for the same person?
1: (laughs) That is such a great question. I highly doubt it. Um, <clears throat> I don't doubt it sim- because I don't think God communicates the same thing. Listen, I'll there's a scripture in Proverbs. I can't remember exactly where it's at right now. I'll find it for you in a second, maybe before this podcast is over. But the scripture in Proverbs says this something like this. It says the, uh, the lot is drawn and lands in the lap, but the Lord determines the future. The Lord determines the future. And so as God, as people in America, Christians would pray and say, God, who do you want me to vote for? I believe this. I believe God would give them clarity on who to vote for. Um, and I think that it would transcend a lot of the moral parameters that we have and people would vote the way that they're led by the spirit. People would vote the way that they hear the Lord speaking. I believe the Lord would speak the same thing, but people hear differently as well. Mm -hmm. And people have, uh, you know, it's not always that we hear clearly. Uh, it's not that the Lord doesn't speak clearly. It's that we may not hear clearly.
0: And so what about those that are so adamant that, God had a choice for who he wanted us to vote for for president. And and I ask because this is the rabbit trail this leads my mind on or or where I often find myself is is asking this question. Lord have Americans uh, American Christians or Christian Americans Position themselves or or fooled themselves into thinking that you need us for your will to be done.
1: Well, yeah, Lynn, I would um be I would say you're you're pretty close to home. If there is a if there is a thought in my mind that this election has gone contrary to the will of God, um and somehow we have failed him in that, then our understanding of God and his, 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 power, his, his perfection, his being is a little skewed. And so, um, you know, we, we tread on very thin ice when we start thinking God needs anything from us. Mm-hmm. God has no need. Period, and um, and for him to need something from the Creator, now he has a want. He has he has wants, wants even unto death, because he uh, Christ willingly laid his life down, and so
0: yeah, I, I've had several conversations, and I've heard people communicate along the lines of, "Well, God is partnering with me in this," and my my first reaction is whoa. You're stepping into territory. I'm unwilling to go. God doesn't partner with me
1: as if you're, equal. I, right.
0: I partner with the Lord. And, and the reality is I can only partner with the Lord as, as I am willing to let him do the needed work in me so that I can partner with him. And, and I, I think of in, in Psalm, I believe it's one, um, is at one nineteen, but it talks about Joseph and it it says until the time came for God's word to come to pass in Joseph's life, his character was tested. See, God had a plan for Joseph. God God's will was revealed to Joseph in a dream. But Joseph's character had to rise to the place. It had to be discipled there, if you will. The Lord had to teach him a few things. His character had to come to the place where he could fully walk in what the Lord had for him. And what we have to realize is that that partnering with the Lord is every bit connected to how willing I am to be corrected, to be teachable, to be pliable. And am I willing to continually everyday die to myself abandon all my rights
1: maintain hope
0: and follow Christ that's what picking up my cross looks like right yeah
1: that's good you know when we think of um god god does have a desire and a will for every nation he 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 uh is primary and paramount in the raising up and the falling down of nations and all authority is given by God. So he has a will. And as we seek to hear the Lord, as we partner, like you said, partner with him, not demanding or expecting that God partner with what I want, but to partner with him. And really that is just a submitting of your will to his. Then we find cooperation in that. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that I've heard a lot lately, and I think is an important part of this conversation is um, looking for or overlooking flaws because of one thing that is morally the right choice or the right stance. Um, I, I just want to tell you there, there's there's not ever been uh, a candidate for presidency, a king, a governor a mayor, a person in any kind of civic leadership that has been perfect or without flaw. There's never been a person that you're going to, you're going to look at every aspect of their life and, and, and be completely satisfied with them. Ecclesiastes 316 says this, moreover, I saw under the sun that in the place of justice, even there was wickedness and in the place of righteousness, even there was wickedness. And so we can easily get to this place and it. What it does is it, it causes us to be so polarized because we limit our unity to one or two choices, this yeah. topic or that topic we must agree on. And if we don't, then we are absolutely opposed to each other.
0: Correct. As, as believers, we, as believers, as humans, I think is probably the, the appropriate label here. We really like either or camps
1: black and white. Yep.
0: But often the Lord's saying over and over, why either or when it can truly be both. And we we see him connect some of these things as we read about him in the Gospels and and the beauty of his ministry of reconciliation. And and so as we close, I I think that the important part of this conversation is is less about. The, the person we choose to vote for or the person that we believe is the moral vote and, and the reality of, Lord, what needs to happen in my life so that I can partner with you? That's, that's the place every person today can pause and say, Lord, what are you wanting to reveal in me, do in me, correct in me, so that I can partner in a greater way, in a better way, and reveal Christ to this world that so desperately needs to see a loving Savior.
1: That's really good. You know, I've thought a little bit about this, this just the topic of a moral vote. What if we tried to – what if we tried less to maybe cast a moral vote and we tried more to be moral people who vote? Mm-hmm. You know, and so if we just looked in ourselves and thought the responsibility of morality is mine, not, I'm not going to put that on someone else. I'm going to own that myself. Right. And then as a moral person casting a vote, it's going to be a proper vote. It's going to be a right vote because the moral, the, the morality in your life demands it. Yeah. And, and, and to be then somewhat satisfied with less than perfect
0: yeah. people. And- For those of you that are saying, yes, I want to do that, Lord. How do I begin and do that? And we first want to backtrack to some things we had said earlier in podcast. If you're not a Bible reader, become a Bible reader. And a great place to start with Christian disciplines would be the book of James. James is an excellent place to start. Colossians is another great book to start. And as you read through those books, reflect and ask the Lord, how can I partner better with what you're doing? We want to thank you for joining us. We would love to hear your thoughts about today's topic. Send us an email at at visitlife.org to give us your feedback. Real Life is a weekly podcast ministry of Life Force Square Church in Decatur, Illinois. We hope you have a great week and look forward to continuing our conversation next time.